We're here. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Ozark Gear God podcast. This is Clay uh, back in Central Arkansas. And, uh, you know, maybe you guys might like his Batman voice more. You know, we'll see. It's a little deeper. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little yeah, less squeaky. Yeah. Who knows? I, yeah. I, yeah. Just in case anybody thought that uh, we switched host out here. Uh, nah, still, still no, use the, just the joys of chemotherapy medication. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. Well, um, Nathan, what are we talking about today, man? Well, today I want to talk about, uh, essentially, is it worth it? The difference between when you're, when you're trying to decide whether to retrofit a guitar, upgrade a guitar, repair a guitar, um, and maybe talk a little bit about some places where that can be useful and some places where it can fall off. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I think this is an awesome conversation to have for, for a couple of reasons. Um, selfishly for myself, I'll just say, first off, uh, being left-handed, you know, my options are limited to begin with. Um, so, you know, modeling and, and retrofitting and swapping pickups and doing all that stuff, um, to get exactly what I want is the option I've, I've had to go down a couple times, right. Um, in my life, but I also think it's great, you know, if, um, you've got a specific sound you're going for, um, but you don't necessarily have the financial resources to, um, just go buy like a custom shop guitar from somebody yeah i mean who doesn't want an r9 or something like that from gibson yeah don't have five grand to drop on it exactly 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 and then to to boot you know i'm i follow uh fender on facebook and things like that and they're hey look here's our custom shop strat built by whomever and i'm just looking at them like i mean it's a parts caster that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. You just, you just had somebody at the shop make the parts caster. Uh-huh. I mean, that's fine. Somebody wants to buy it. I don't tell other people what to do with their money. But in, in a lot of cases, you can get what you want for a lot less if you're willing to put it together yourself. Or even there's some boutique builders that'll do it for, you know, 1500 yeah, yeah. As opposed to the Fender Custom Shop, where you're going to pay four. Honestly, we want to be super technical. Every guitar is a parts caster, to a certain degree. I mean, it's it's a bunch of individual pieces. Some are easier to make those adjustments to than others. Obviously, with a Fender, yes. Most Fenders, you can swap out necks, you can swap out pick cards, you can swap out pickups, you can swap out hardware. Gibsons are a little bit more complicated. Um, yeah. With the set next. Mm. And then there are some that are even more complicated that, you know, kind of once they get put together, they are just what they are. And if you yes. want to take it apart, you pretty much got to cut it open. Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, like a great place. I think the biggest sound for your electric guitar specifically is probably going to be the pickups. Oh, um, so what are some like good, um, you know, like pickup recommendations? Like I, I know Fender makes, you can, you can buy their pickups separate. Um, mm-hmm. I have the custom shop fat fifties in my strat. 
um, at the moment. Love them. Um, what are some, what are some other great, uh, pickup options out there? I mean, you got your, um, more economical brands like Seymour Duncan or DiMarzio where they tailor certain things, usually to particular artists. Um, you've got the Fender ones, uh, you've got Gibson, of course. You have a whole lot of stuff coming out of China, Artec, yeah, um, and the various and and and, and the Artec pickups are what go in a lot of the uh, low end or, or mid grade like Epiphones and things mm-hmm. like that. Okay, <clears throat> I didn't know that. They just they just don't tell you that that's what they are. Secret time. Um, right. Yeah, but even yeah. like even like take for example the Paul Reed Smith S series, the bodies and necks are made and assembled in the USA, but the pickups and the wiring is Korean. Really? That's how, okay, that's I how they they cut the cost. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. I have you ever have you ever um, played a guitar with any of the uh, guitar fetish pickups? Oh yeah, I bought many of them, and I I've enjoyed. Hey them uh in particular i've used a lot of their single coil uh style okay uh, rickenbacker style pickups i yeah I those quite a bit yeah those are pretty sick i've got a uh semi hollow like a you've seen it it's like the gibson like trini lopez knockoff i don't even remember the brand name like it doesn't have a serial number it, it's like it is i paid literally 120 bucks for it like straight up off reverb and uh, the first thing I did was ask, well, the first thing I did was I put on a new nut because it wouldn't stay in tune. The second thing I did was I swapped out the pickups um, and went back to guitar fetish and got the uh, got a P90, like a humbucker size P90 for the neck. And then I got one of those like Shawbucker, the Fender Shawbucker things um, in the bridge. And for like a lot of my post-rock stuff, um, I know all of our tens of thousands of listeners um stream my music all the time um <laughs> but uh that's all the less is more stuff is all uh all on that guitar with those two pickups right. for the most part i absolutely love that guitar yeah and and really what it comes down to is what do you like mm-hmm. um ceramic alnico alnico 2 alnico 5 as far as the, the the pickup sound goes, you go with what you like, and yeah, you're you you can you can get boutique pickups, you can get Wallers, you can get a, a variety of things, um, and it really just kind of comes down to what do you want. And and pickups are a easy way to to begin modifying um, your guitars. Uh, that being said, sometimes pickups just aren't going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially when you're starting to talk about, okay, let's say something gets broken. The 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 infamous headstock repair. hey So, um, <clears throat> this past week, I repaired a guitar that the gal's father bought her. She asked for an Epiphone, <clears throat> and he showed up with a first act. Um. Not only that was the, was it a first act, but the fretboard had separated from the neck. Oh, so it was a used first act. It was a pawn shop special, no question. Um, 
And she was, she, okay, what, what would it cost to repair all this damage? So the dings and dents and, and things like that. I said, here's the deal. Um, if you want everything here repaired to where it looks new, you're going to be out of pocket $400 yeah. on a guitar that's worth 50. Yeah. I can, if, if, if you're set on keeping this, I can do the basic repairs and make it playable for $60 to a hundred dollars. Um, but again, you're going deeper into this guitar than it's worth. Um, now there are some reasons there, there are some good legitimate reasons to do that sort of thing. Her father gave it to her. She, she wanted to keep it. And, and then the costs can outweigh to a certain degree. So, uh, it's obviously there's a, a, a laugher curve as far as that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 60, 60 bucks was enough, you know, she's like, I, I, yeah, yeah. Just glue the fretboard, clamp it down, dump some, uh, dump some super glue in the, in the places where the paint's chipped to, to bring it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't make it pretty. Just make it work. Yeah. <clears throat> was, that was, it, worth it for her. was this her first guitar? Was she like learning how to play or? Uh, she, she already played bass and drums. Okay. And I think she had an electric guitar, but she wanted a nicer one and you know, one of those kinds of things, um, a nicer one. Yeah. And be honest. It didn't sound, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. It was a less Paul looking first act. Yes. But I, I got the repairs done. She was happy with it, <clears throat> but I wasn't. I wasn't going to, I told her, if you want to, if you really want to get rid of all the dings and dents, make them, um, make it so that nobody notices they're there. I mean, you can do that. I'll send you to somebody else. I'm not going to put that time and effort into a first act. I'm just not going to do it. For sure. Mm, But I've run into that more than a few times. Somebody's grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, father, mother, dead brother, um, had this guitar and they wanted they wanted to hold on to it as a memento yeah and so they dumped a whole bunch of money into it and, and you see that on shows again like pawn stars or whatever somebody comes in and like well i know it i know you're telling me what it's worth but it's worth more than that to me for the sentimentality yeah and, and I, I think that's something people need to just understand just because a guitar is worth a lot of money to you doesn't mean it's a lot worth a lot of money to society at large right and, and, I, and that's okay other- and that's like told not that that's wrong or anything because like no nah, but happy if, with it. yeah if you're if you're just looking to sell it to make some money though just be aware of that fact yeah. And I've seen it go the other way too. Like I, I, I know somebody who's got a, a 59 Gibson, um, won't even let me see it. Um, and it has a headstock repair, I was told, but it's a 59 Les Paul. Yeah. They don't play it. They don't know how to play it. They don't have any biological children and they don't have any intention of playing it, but it was something that somebody they loved had. And so it just sits in its case. Interesting. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're right about what it is, you're sitting on 80 to $150,000. It's just sitting there in your closet. 
Mm-hmm. You don't want to play it. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to sell it, but you just want to hold on to it because it's sen- sentimental. Again, that's fine. It, yeah. It's their guitar. Um, <clears throat> what I think about it is irrelevant, much like politics. Um, I can think certain things and it, it doesn't change those things. Um, but when, when you're, when you're starting to look at repairs and put, putting money into a guitar, you need to be aware, particularly for sentimentality, sentimental guitars. Um, what you're putting in is likely not what you're going to get out of it. If you need to sell it at some point in time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I hope one day I'll be able to have some like vintage guitars to like pass on to my kids because that's like you know like 59 less paul like even with the headstock repair like you said that's you're looking at like 80 to 100k like that's like an investment you know that's Mm -hmm. like money that'll uh you know like change that's a change your life that's a life for money Um, that's 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 half a house that's college yeah 100%. 100%. Yeah. A small amount of money. No, there's a lot of stuff you can. <clears throat> and, and here's the thing. Sometimes, so two weeks ago, I got, I bought a, a, a tote full of guitar bodies. And I got it for, I got it for cheap. And I sold most of the little, you know, the, the Telecaster and Stratocaster bodies, but there were two SGs. Well, one was an SG, the other was a Les Paul. Um, that were in there that both had head stock repairs, both were basket cases. But when you're talking a 72 Gibson SG that has a head stock repair and it's just a husk or a 62 Les Paul Jr. that has a head stock repair and has its share of issues, then you start wandering into a territory where it's like, well, yeah, it's not it's not ever going to be a 62 Les Paul. No. Because it, it it's had at least two headstock repairs. Somebody routed a, a second pickup in it at some point in time and drilled a hole for a switch. Um, and it's been covered over badly. Yeah. But am I putting it back together? Oh heck yes, I am. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. <clears throat> because why not? Yeah. I, I, I literally have no dollars in this guitar, but for the, but for the um, repairs that I'm doing to it. So it's getting, it's getting new frets. It's getting the, the headstock um, painted in a new, uh, new silk screen on the front. And there are going to be a few other little issues that get fixed. Sure. Um, but I'm going to be somewhere around $300 into this guitar and all the rest were parts I just had. Like I've got yeah. a Gibson P90 to put in it. Yeah. I've got, I had a bridge that fit perfectly. I even had some late fifties Cluson strip tuners. Okay. Would have been on it. Yeah. There we go. So for 300 bucks and what I had in my parts drawers, I'll have that thing up. And from, from 10 feet away, you're not going to be able to tell the difference. No. All right. Well, hey, if you wanna, if you wanna sixty-two, uh, sixty-two junior, head Nathan up. I've had several people already try to buy it. I'm like, no, oh. <laughs> uh, because here, here's the reality. I, I understand. Listen, if this, if that guitar was cherry, hundred percent, 
Yeah. Uh, uh, original condition, even even worn down. You're looking at three, four, five thousand dollars. Uh huh. As it sits, with all replacement parts and all of the modifications to it, yeah, maybe it brings fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks isn't life changing money for me. Nah. I mean, for for somebody maybe it is, but for me, fifteen hundred bucks isn't. Sure. Um, I've got I've got several guitars sitting right behind me that are worth quite a bit more than that. I'm making a play for a collection um, up in Wisconsin that has a couple of uh, uh, five figure guitars in it. Oh wow! Um, we'll see how that turns out. Making money moves up here. Oh my goodness! But um, fifteen hundred bucks. Or I, I can say, look, I've got a 62 Les Paul Jr. For me, the, the value of saying I have a 62 Les Paul Jr. is far more worth far more than the thousand, fifteen hundred bucks I would get. Yeah, there's money to be made. But there's just something to be said about, well, that's just freaking cool. As, as, as far as getting parts, if you want to go full original parts, you're going to invest more money into this than it's ever going to be worth. Um, a 62 P90 with 62 pots is going to run you 500 bucks. Um, the Cluson tuners, set of period strip tuners, is going to run you $100 at least. The bridge is going to run you $70. And you put that all into the guitar and because of two headstock repairs, a filled pickup route and the other physical issues it has, it's still only going to be worth 1500 to $1,800. Yeah. So I can invest $300, $400 into getting it close so you can't tell. And, and, and basically, okay, it's a 400, four, I got $400 and a $1,500 guitar, or I can spend a thousand dollars and maybe gain $300, well, no thousand dollars plus the repair. So, uh, 1250 and, and maybe get an extra couple hundred bucks. It's just yeah. not worth it. Yeah. Real kick in the teeth is I had a set of 50, a 54 P90 with a set of pots that I sold uh, like three weeks before, oh, before I no. got this guitar. You know, I, I should have just, but yeah, no. and I had the bridge at one point in time too. I mean, I had everything, but you know, you, you can't hold on to stuff like that. Yeah. How much would uh, that have increased the value if you had the, the 50, the fifties hardware and everything? Well, still, it would, it still wouldn't be, original yeah you know? it still wouldn't be original but would it be like closer to like maybe two or was still kind of I mean, be in the maybe. 1500 range maybe it's possible but um it's again it's it, it what it comes down to is it's just really not worth it yeah when you sit down unless unless you have to have for whatever emotional reason that exact exact guitar now if if what i had was a mint condition husk mm -hmm. no breaks original finish um then it definitely becomes worth it 
for sure try to find those exact parts and put it together because then you can say it's all period correct parts it may not be original but it's all period correct parts. yeah definitely and and then you're maybe looking at three grand um but that's not what i had so vintage projects you can get them to close uh, mm-hmm. for example i had a i had a uh it was another early 70s uh, sg that one of the pickups was dead and it was one of the embossed uh, embossed uh, pickup cover ones embossed with Gibson. And so I sent it to Lindy Fralin and he personally rewound it and put it back in. Oh man, that's cool. Um, and, and that was worth the 250 bucks to get it rewound. Yeah. Because it was the only part of that guitar that was not that, um, that was not functional. Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, like saying like this pickup, like, it wasn't working. It's still the original like pickup, but yeah. like it wasn't working. I had it rewound by somebody, you know, Lindy Freeland. Like if you're, if you're buying a vintage guitar, like you should, if you're into gear that much, you should understand who Lindy Freeland is. Like, you know, that, right. that I, I feel like that should carry some weight uh, for it a little bit as well. And it did. And, and the, the only other thing on the guitar that wasn't original was I needed a refinish. Yeah, it already started a refinish and all the parts were in a bag. And so we got it, we got it there, we got it done. And um, you take the normal 40 to 50% hit on a refinish uh, value wise. Uh huh. But you just kind of plug forward on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some vintage projects are worth that. Uh, when, when you're looking at used, guitars again it's if, if you want a certain sound but you don't want to pay for the exact same exact thing mm-hmm. from Pender or the exact thing from gibson or the exact thing from rickenbacker there are ways to get those sounds um more cheaply yeah oh yeah as we mentioned guitar fetish awesome for that sure. um other great sides as well well i've got over here um so I'm a big fan, you know, the, the, the Gretsch filter Tron sound. Yes. Got the pro jet over here. Yeah. And it, to get a legit, nice pro jet, um, or jet anything from, yeah. from Gretsch, the higher quality stuff that has the TV Jones pickups, you're looking at Japan or USA custom shop. Mm-hmm. At that point you're looking to drop in two grand. Yeah. Um, plus. Yeah. And so I saw a guitar on sale. It was a Supro Silverwood, which is kind of an Ozark shaped body. Um, and I mean, I was like, this is, this is a really cool look. I pulled the pickups out through some uh, TV Jones pickups in it. And now I get that same, sound as I would have from, you know, a a Japanese made Gretsch. Um, I could have just taken a a Chinese made Gretsch and thrown TV Jones pickups in it too. Yeah. But this thing was like 400 bucks and looks really cool. Uh, you know, $300 worth of pickups, 700 bucks. I've, I've got a, um, 
I've got a cool situation for less than half the price I would have paid for, for the legit situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, mine, mine, my project is just like the Indonesia ones, like the Filtertron thing, um, is I, they're probably made in China. I don't know exactly where they're made, but they're like wretch branded. So it's not like the TV Jones. Um, but, uh, I mean, honestly, I use that thing exclusively at church. That's really the only time I pull it out. And I mean, you know, people in the congregation, they ain't going to be able to tell. Again, that's, that's one of the other things you just got to remember is that most people who are listening to your music, they don't care what guitar you're playing. Yeah. Care what kind of pickups there are in it. If you're looking. For crying out loud, you end up, uh, you, you look at like Tom DeLong and he oh, just yeah. picks the, the trashiest ceramic pickup. I mean, it's pop punk, so it's not yeah. really a big surprise. Oh, yeah. But if you're playing pop punk, um, uh, who cares? Yeah. You're, Absolutely. You're, you just want your amp to go. Yeah. Tom Murillo is another guy like that. Uh, I saw when, when they started Rage Against the Machine, he went out and bought like one amp, one, like a couple pedals and like one guitar and was just like, this is it. Like he was like, I'm, this is what I'm using for the rest of my career. And it was, it's just like a cut, literally it's a couple boss pedals, a whammy pedal, which is like the only expensive ish thing like a marshall head and like a crate four by 12 or like a randall four by 12 just some cheap four by 12 and like you know that's a jack white another guy early jack white jack white's playing early some jack. uh some some expensive some expensive yeah, stuff now. now he's uh yeah he's he's graduated himself but i mean like early on the mike get loud documentary like dude made a slide guitar out of like a two by four and like a bottle a glass yep. bottle you know so yeah, I, th- I think that's a big part of it. But what would you consider vintage? Yeah, that's always a like. Where does a, that where does that line begin? Well, for a lot of things, it could be anywhere from twenty to thirty years. Um, some people say it's twenty years. Some people say it's twenty-five. Some people say it's thirty. Um, and yet, there are still some other people who say it's like the what's classic rock because mm. it used to be defined by, okay, it needs to be before the eighties. But when that was being defined as before the eighties, it was like, Oh, well that's 15 years ago, yeah, 20 years ago. And so now we're 20 years past that. And it's like, okay, well does that make flock of seagulls classic rock now? I mean, <laughs> does it? Yeah. And, and it's tough. And like, okay, well, is, is Nirvana classic rock? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a weird thing to think. Um, as far as guitars go, generally people consider the everything before 1980 to be vintage still. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to get any, any, well, maybe not any, but you're not going to get a lot of argument that anything before 1980 is vintage. There's some people who think it should be before 75, but anything before 1980 is true vintage. Um, and then that, and that's just, just because of, well, the, 
that's that's what's in people's minds. Now, again, depending on what you're looking at, a lot of 80s guitars would qualify as as vintage from a variety of perspectives. But yeah, you'll have some people who think that 70s stuff isn't vintage. It's going to be 60s or 50s. It, it it really is kind of a moving target, which isn't fair. Yeah. Um. Well, like it, it's really interesting because for me, like '83 is vintage. Like that was like that was like 15 years before I was born. So like to me, that's like you know. But I can totally get how like for other people. Right. You know. Yeah. It's a weird. Yeah. yeah it's a weird thing. So. Yeah, I, I would say that there there will always be the pre nineteen eighty stuff is vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, there will come a point when they'll come up with maybe a new term, okay, to to denote stuff eighties, nineties, early two thousands. Um, but who who knows? I mean, they may just be oh well, those are those guitars. Um, yeah. <laughs> And you see a lot more standardization happening in the eighties and nineties. And especially by the time you hit the two thousands, even the, even the imports are all standardized, you know? Yeah. Okay. We've, we've got legitimate, legitimate serial numbers on everything. Uh, you can date the instrument by those serial numbers. Um, there, there isn't the mystery. And, and, and also you start looking at the quality of stuff, import stuff, in 1960s and 1970s is mostly trash. Yeah. But then you get to the 70s and you start seeing places like Ibanez start to pull pull forward. And then the 80s you you see them opening up uh Korea and Taiwan and things like that. This Korea right here. Yeah. yeah. Um and those places get started on on things by 2000 stuff made in Japan is considered prime you know it, yeah. it, it's good stuff and now we're sitting here thinking okay these are the korean i mean you see people advertise this is a korean made up of home it's not chinese made yeah um and so you you end up in these mid platforms um that this let's, let's just be honest the cnc machines that they use in korea are the same cnc machines that they use in america yeah in Indonesia and Japan, uh, everything's everything's standardized. Uh, it, it's not like you have to go into a shop and play five, six, seven, eight less Pauls to find a, find one that is 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 exactly what you're looking for. They, you know, in the '50s and in the '60s, they were hand making them. Yeah. So the neck carves are not all the same. No, they're just not. But uh, now you've got standardized platforms and um, yeah, you, you take the pickups out, you swap them around, change the tuning machines. You may end up finding yourself with what you feel is a better guitar for six or $700 than if you had spent $2,000. For sure. Really what it comes down to is if it works for your sound or if you've got a sentimental attachment to it, that's those are all well and fine like you know i don't if if somebody wants to buy a lamborghini i don't think that's a smart decision 
you know, I, I look at that and think, man, that, that's a lot of money that's not really well spent, but they don't care what I think. And I don't expect them to care what I think. Yeah. Um, they can, if they have that money, they can do it. Uh, if somebody, I, I would like a Gibson custom shop guitar. Sure. That'd be nice. Um, am I, am I going to, uh, am I going to shell out for a new one? No, there's no reason to. Yeah. Like you can hear me. I can't, I wouldn't be able to sing to save my life right now. Um, <laughs> my fatigue level to even play is, yeah. is horrible. So it's like, okay, I, I could have a $10,000 guitar very easily. Would I keep it? No. Another thing that we want to touch on real quick was platform guitars. Right. And, um, you know, I know Squire is awesome for that. What are some other brands um, that you think are, are solid for, for platform? And also for those of our listeners that don't know, can you kind of like explain a little bit what that platform guitar phrase means? Okay. So a platform is essentially looking at just the, the husk itself. Is it sturdy? Is it stable? Does it look good? Um, and does it play well? Here's the, here's the, if a guitar doesn't play well, if you don't like playing it, you're not going to play it. Mm. And so it's far better to find something that you enjoy playing, even if it doesn't have the exact sound that you want. Find something that you enjoy playing and then take that and make it sound like you want it to sound. You've got several platform levels. You got your low end platform stuff from 50 to maybe 200 bucks that yeah, it's, it's a guitar. And maybe if you're playing punk, nobody cares, but if you're looking for a real solid instrument, um, that isn't going to have a lot of issues. That's going to be a tough one. Your mid platform stuff is, I would say the stuff between like 250 and $700. So this would be your Epiphones, your higher end squires, um, stuff that's built well. Uh, the paranormal series or the classic vibe series from Squire or um, really anything with a set neck from Epiphone. And those are the things that you can, you find one that you enjoy playing and you just, you just change whatever you feel needs to be changed. You want locking tuners, put on locking tuners. If you, if you want a roller bridge, put on a roller bridge. If you want, different sounding pickups, but in different sounding pickups. Once you start getting above that, you start devaluing instruments because mm -hmm. no matter what you do to those, say a Mexican fender, unless, uh, unless you're routing the thing out or physically destroying the guitar, it's still going to be worth 400 to $500 on the used market. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you've got the original pickups, EMGs, um, custom shop pickups, DeMarzio, Seymour Duncan's, it doesn't matter. It's still going to be worth 400 to 500 bucks. Um, but uh, once you start getting above that and start changing pickups on things like USA made guitars, uh, you start running into the devaluing them aspect. Now there are some Gibsons that you get sub $1,000 that, that it isn't going to devalue them because they're always going to be 600 to $800. Mm -hmm. uh, the faded series, um, the, some of the melody maker stuff that those are all going to stay in pretty much the same range because they're, they are what they are, but say 
what would what blows my mind is somebody or buys a custom shop instrument or buys a high-end USA made or a, a artist signature. And then they're like, well, now I'm going to rip out all the parts on this and, and start changing it around. I'm like, Nope, you're devaluing the instrument. Yeah. And if it's your guitar, who cares? There are plenty of people who have 1957 Les Pauls that have been hacked up that don't have the original pickups that have been routed for this or that or the other as headstock mm. breaks. Um, and they were done in the seventies when the thing wasn't worth anything and it just doesn't matter. Um, they love the guitar and, and, and that's what, that's what they want from it. And that's fine. Again, you want to buy a Lamborghini and, and spray paint your name on the side. That's your choice. I don't have to think it's intelligent though. Um, <laughs> But uh, with those, I, I strongly discourage people from modifying thing, guitars that, that are over $2,000. Um, if, if you're going to spend $2,000 on a guitar, just buy what you want the way it sounds. Yeah. You know, Because at that point in time, you, you, there are so many options for you. So many options. Um, but you still have people buying vintage vintage reissues 2500 bucks and they're like yeah and i'm going to take out the pickups of this and i'm going to put in some emgs and you're like what what why what i saw i saw a cartoon a while back and it was like two guys sitting like in jail next to each other and like one of them was just like a little normal looking dude another big big guy tattoos everywhere and the big guy was like, I like murdered somebody. What did you do to get in here? And the the big guy was or the little short, small dude said, I put some EMGs and a vintage Les Paul. And the big guy like got scared and like went and sat at yeah. the other end of the holding cell. I've I've seen similar ones with I, I routed a 1960 Les Paul for a Floyd Rose. Oh, Oh, uh, that crap happens, man. Uh, the pain. Uh, well, um, speaking of Les Pauls, uh, close out the show here. I just picked a Les Paul up off of yeah. you, my very yeah. first Les Paul. I've never owned a Les Paul before. There you go. And there this, is, go. this is one uh, that had the infamous headstock break. Yes, but it was really, it was a really clean break. It was a hundred dollars to repair it. Um, I had about a hundred bucks in it. And so when it's all said and done, you know, it, it ends up not, it's still a, it's a good value. Sometimes those repaired guitars are an absolutely great value. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, you know what I've got in it and you didn't pay me much more than that for it because I offered. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's just kind of how a lot of that stuff works where you're like, goodness gracious. Um, it, it, it's not always a bad idea to, to do a repair. It was, I picked that up at a pawn shop, um, already broken for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And mm, that, that ends up being worth it. Even if, even if you hadn't bought it, the repair is a hundred bucks I'm $200 into the guitar and a headstock repair that you can't really tell was repaired on an Epiphone. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's going to devalue the instrument 25 to 30%, but yeah. still it's a $500 guitar and, I mean, 350, 400 bucks isn't 
that unreasonable. Yeah, well, and I speaking of platform guitars, uh, this is why I wanted to bring it up. I got I got some uh, changes on deck for it. It'll be. Okay. Uh, I think I'm. I've never I've never had a guitar with the big speed before. Okay. So so I'm I'm thinking Bigsby, um, and I'm thinking with the Bigsby, obviously since it's gonna go out too, I'm gonna have to get some locking tuners for that. You know, sure, obviously. And then uh, I don't. I don't know. Have you ever heard of Lambertone pickups? Uh, no, not off. The no. Head. Okay. This guy, guy up in Washington. He has a lot of like PETA, like praise and worship okay. um, pickups for for people. But um, he's got some real nice, like low output humbuckers that would be pretty pretty solid for for what I'd be using it for. So. Sure. Yeah, speaking of platform guitar, like it's great. And I've like I said, never owned a Les Paul. Uh you might you might have uh might have gotten me a, a new addiction here. Might might have turned me into a Les Paul guy. Who knows? I'll, I'll if you're gonna be changing the pickups, I'll leave the switch to you to replace then. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Um but uh yeah, it's it's just kind of one of those things that sometimes husks or things like that, they they're when it comes down to it, you've got, you've got three types of people. You've got people who view guitars as tools. You've got people who use view guitars as investments and you've got people who view guitars as joy. Yeah. And if you're just looking for a tool, it, you know, it, it, it's a cost benefit analysis and mm-hmm. anybody can do it. Um, if you're going to use it and you're going to make money with it. Yeah. Take that hundred dollar epiphone slap five hundred dollars pickups into it spend a hundred dollars on a repair upgrade this upgrade that and find yourself i don't know seven eight hundred dollars into it yeah but if you're using it and making money off of it well then it doesn't really matter does it yeah that's a that's a big way i look at a lot of gear you know before i buy something how many how many gigs do i have to use this at to like you know, make the money back and yeah, the depreciation. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how much is it going to be worth if I like, don't like it and want to sell it? Like, am I going to be able to make the money back? I'm, I spent on it. Um, yeah, I I'd say I fall somewhere in between the, uh, tool using guitar as a tool and just like joy. Like I just like having them, um, somewhere in there. I'm not quite to the point in my life where, it's an investment yet. See, for me, you know, doing, being a, a music store, essentially, it's mostly investment with some joy. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I'm not playing anywhere, so it's not a tool. Yeah. Um, so everything I'm, I buy, I have to buy it thinking, okay, what am I investing and what's my return? Mm-hmm. So, and that's fine. And, and, Again, everybody has has different reasons and motivations, and and that's all well and good. Um, not a big deal, but it is just kind of the way it works. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, you got any, anything else you want to add, or I don't think so. You good? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, this has been another episode of the Ozark Gear Guide podcast. Thank you so much for uh, hanging in there with us and and listening and uh we will uh see you guys next time nathan you want the final word final word